The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Alan Thomas. Alan is the commissioner for GSA's Federal Acquisition Service and... Uh, Alan, first of all, uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back on. Glad to be back on, Roger. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Um, there's a lot. I mean, there is a really a lot lot. I don't know if the right technical term for a lot is, but other than a lot, um, stuff going on at FAS in particular, uh, focusing on you know improving delivery of product services and solutions to customer agencies. And Alan, you know, the big thing everybody's talking about amongst uh, all of them, sort of the overarching is the federal market sort of concept initiative um, that you guys are working on. So first, I'm just going to, what is that? Sure. So uh, the federal marketplace strategy, and it is it is a strategy, right, is a, is a series of initiatives we're working on focused on uh, making it easier for our buyers, right, our, our agency customers to find the solutions they need making it simpler and less burdensome for our industry partners, our suppliers, to is that, provide those Is that those easy, solutions. efficient, and modern? Is that the Those are some words that we definitely would like to use to describe that. Yeah. And, and we also want to put really good tools in the hands of our workforce so they can better serve those buyers and those uh, suppliers. So that, you know, that overarching strategy has what I would call three lines of effort. There's a policy line of effort, a process line of effort, and a technology line of effort. And then there are some initiatives within Within each of those lines of uh, lines of effort, so there's a lot to unpack there, um, but we you know we kind of like that we kind of like to lay out that overarching strategy concept, and it really is simple. You know, as I said, make it easier to find solutions you need, easier to provide those solutions, and then the right tools in the hands of the of the workforce. Well, um, you meant you use the word unpack, so let's 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 do that a little bit. Talk about those three areas, and um, you know, I guess first uh, the process area. Sure, uh, and they're all interrelated. Obviously, it's part of a, 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 a an overall vision and st- strategic approach. But let's talk process first. Sure. So they they are all interrelated, right? And we actually do have somebody, Crystal Philcox, in her enterprise strategy and management role, who is the the synchronizer, if you will, right? The kind of grand or global synchronizer of all these initiatives. So in the process area, the biggest thing we're doing there, the most important thing we're doing there, is uh, schedules reform, right? So. A multiple word schedule consolidation and uh, transformation, which is being led by Stephanie Shutt uh, and her team. You know that is a a very large uh, set, really, of process changes that we're making. The schedules are uh, unimportant program. I would say you know a cornerstone program within the Federal Acquisition Service and within GSA. Um, we want to make sure that schedules sort of keep pace with the market and you know remain. Uh, you know, one of the uh, most viable and chosen purchasing options for uh, for our customers. So, in that regard, I know um, you know there's uh, there's lots of moving parts in the schedules, and there and you're absolutely right. It is you know the policy and the technical capability systems and process all ultimately have to work together. Um, can you talk a little bit about like in terms of the modernization? You know the 
single schedule concept mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know what's the goals behind that and what 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 it will mean for customers sure so uh we think uh consolidating schedules going from 24 schedules down to a single schedule will do uh, will do a few things for customers we think it'll make it easier for them to uh to buy solutions which is really how customers want to buy today right now we have in some ways, these artificial constraints that that you know we've inherited from the past, kind of these silos and customers, when they want to put product and service together, that can be challenging. You know, do I need to use two schedules or three schedules, and are the you know are the right vendors on there, and how do I do that, right? And so from a from a from a customer standpoint, that can be challenging. We think, and we've organized our people by category. We think we ought to organize the schedules by category. And in fact, we're going to have. We're going to have uh, the way we want to organize that sort of underneath the single schedule concept out for comment here soon from a from a category perspective, right? So we, you know, it'll it'll ultimately be based in the NAICS codes and things like that. But we think that's just kind of how the world is organized and how people are used to thinking about the world, and we we ought to be too at at GSA. Yeah, the flip side of that, and just your thoughts, that like, you know, it it's it's going to be much more effective or efficient for customers to buy those solutions you're talking about. And the flip side of it is on the industry side. Have you heard from industry about their response? Because it does also provide industry the ability to offer solutions. You know, it works both ways to get to that. that, so, that that's correct. No, you're, you're right. I mean, I think, I think industry in general is supportive of it. They, they want to offer solutions uh, as well. We think also from an industry perspective, we're just going to reduce a little bit of the burden that they bear now in dealing with us, right? So if you're a, a vendor that holds multiple schedules and i think somewhere around a quarter or so of all the all the vendors on schedule hold multiple schedules you know you're dealing oftentimes with different contracting officers in different contracting centers the terms and conditions vary somewhat among the among the schedules right there is an administrative burden and just what i would call kind of a process burden uh for a company in in managing all that so this you know the consolidation of schedules the harmonization of the terms and conditions should uh, alleviate uh, some of that burden, and then, as you said, allow companies to go to market like they do on the uh, like they do commercially, which is the whole point of the schedules program, right? right. Is to allow yeah. the government to buy in a in a in a mostly commercial fashion. So, one of the things that um, I'm curious about when you when you talk about that consolidated schedule going to one, and you mentioned categories, um, maybe I'll ask that question first. So, when you when you talk about your potential, I guess, request for comment or on a on a category concept, are you looking at organizing around, you know, the category management categories? Is that what you're thinking, or or how? What's where are you with that? I don't I don't want to let too much out of the bag before they go out. Oh, for, that's fine. Please for, go for, right for, ahead. For, Come on <laughs> for public comment. And actually, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about leadership at the very end, right? But like, I am interested in what's going on in these groups, right? But actually, I try not to get in the way uh, too much, right? right. So. You know, we have a uh, an IPT from across all of our act centers uh, being led by the multiple award schedules PMO, and they they are sort of hashing through you know what what they think is the right way to go about it. I do think there'll be you know there'll there'll be some uh, adherence probably to those to those government wide categories at a very but you know those are that those are top level categories right sure. you know IT is a category okay well you know we can go we can break IT down uh, a lot a lot deeper but I do I do think you'll see some adherence to those those GovY categories. And again, we're going to put these out, not as, hey, here's the answer. You know, we're going to put them out and say, and, and ask people to comment on them and and be able to revise um, because we know there are lots of good ideas outside the agency as well. And we want to take advantage of those. Yeah. 
So, Alan, you know, the other thing, I mean, I'm going to touch on leadership just a little bit right now instead of sure. late in show. Sure. Because one of the things that, um, from my experience at GSA, is back when they had a corporate schedule, and that's the concept of a single schedule mm-hmm. that was, in a certain sense, I think the way you guys are going about it, you know, you're, is right in terms of we're all going there as one. So it, when I was there, GSA had a corporate schedule, but then still had all the other schedules. Mm-hmm. So there was a bill. And so the buy-in from the various centers of responsibility wasn't there because he said, why am I going to shift? I get credit for my contracts and, you know, overall growth of the program and delivery of services to customers. And if I shift to, you know, this corporate schedule, I'm not going to get the credit anymore. Yeah. How, how are you addressing that? So, uh, we definitely are taking what I would call a bottoms-up approach to the change, and the change is largely being driven by our folks internally, right? So we have a little bit of consulting support just to sort of help facilitate meetings and things like that, but this is not some idea that you know came from uh, consultants or the very top of the agency, and we tried to kind of drive it down. I mean, I think the workforce understands that this makes sense. It'll allow us to actually distribute work a little bit more evenly uh, among folks. It'll make people's skills a little more transferable. Um, so we thought the best way to do that, right, was to get all the people that had a stake in this from, from, you know, from a GSA perspective in a, in an integrated team and, and hash through the issues. Now it takes a little longer, yeah, sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that the, uh, what you get on the, on the back end of it is you get, you get more buy-in, right? So you, you probably actually get real change, um, that people, you know, re- really will, uh, implement. I mean, at some point I'm not going to be there, right? So, Hey, Sounds like a great idea, right? What I want is the line level contracting officers to have bought into this concept, and you know, three years from now, they're 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 doing it and they're um, and they're they're living it, right? And to make it part of the culture. You got right? it. Yeah, behaviors. Um, Alan, we're already up on the first break. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue to talk a little bit about schedules modernization and the process piece. But well, then we'll talk a little policy, and of course, I promise we'll get to systems. And technology too, okay? Sounds good. Great. My guest today is Alan Thomas. He is the Commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA. I'm Roger Waldron, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Uh, I'm Roger Waldron, and my guest today is Alan Thomas. He is the Commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA, and Alan, when we took the break, we were talking schedules, modernization, consolidation, and you know the opportunities for GSA to deliver solutions for customers, agencies, and you know, and and you do serve as that market maker um, in a large sense between customer agencies and industry, you know, to come together to do business on behalf of the American people. And part of that, you know, the consolidation and working on harmonizing and all that sort of stuff is that that that. That policy piece, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, <laughs> uh, can be actually a long pole. Well, one of the long poles in the tent uh, that ends systems, and we'll get to systems in a couple of minutes. But um, you know, where, where how is the policy? You know, move, where is it moving to support the modernization effort? Sure. So, uh, policy is an important component, as you know. Um, you know the federal marketplace strategy is one of Administrator Emily Murphy's three uh, three big initiatives. Right. right, she's yep. got a strategic lease optimization component to her strategy and a shared services component. Right, but federal marketplace is the third piece, and it's an area that she knows uh, that she knows well. You know, I have a I have a joke that I use with the FAS team. I say the good news is the administrator knows a lot about acquisition and policy, 
The bad news is the administrator <laughs> knows a lot about acquisition and policy. But this, it, but it's good news for us, right? Because it's an area that she's been able to help us really shape what we're doing. So on the policy front, you know, there are some uh, there are some rules that um, that were recently uh, implemented and that we're rolling out. So the order level material yep. uh, rule. You know, we talked about having industry go to market like they want to go to market and customers buy solutions. Order level materials, I think, is a or or you know what I knew when I was in industry as ODCs. Yes, uh, is uh, is. How industry wants to sell and how and how customers want to buy and so you know we're working hard. Mark Lee and our policy team and Jeff Kosis, senior procurement executive, are working hard to make sure we roll that out in a consistent way. Uh, and we've seen a little bit of uptake there. We've done a lot of education with both our contracting officers, our customers, and and our industry partners. You know, and that's a place um, that's a place where we can always use help, right? In terms of in terms of educating people. Uh, so that's you know I think OLMs is uh, is one. We've got some interesting authorities in the that were granted to us in the uh, in the NDAA. Uh, so there's the ability to do uh, unpriced labor categories on yes. uh, on schedules, and you know the when we consolidate uh, schedules and go to one schedule, that is potentially an interesting time to. And we haven't figured out exactly how we want to do it. If we want to pilot it, or if we want to kind of go big bang, but that could be an interesting time to roll out the ability to do unpriced uh, unpriced labor cats. DOD already has uh, the ability to do that on their on you know on some of their IDIQs, uh, and we've seen it work pretty well there. And obviously, where there's good competition, you know, we think um, where there's good competition, that's going to drive market pricing for labor. We don't necessarily need our contracting officers to spend lots of time establishing ceiling prices in places where there's good competition. Instead, they should focus on the quality of the supplier and the, all the other uh, terms and conditions, and then let the market sort of drive the right the right price for the um, for the for the labor some other things we've done there you know on the rulemaking front the commercial supplier agreements right is a way yep. again it's kind of a burden reduction on industry just 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 a simplification i think a realization right that when some of those terms and conditions don't apply we can just kind of get that off the table makes the negotiation easier so that you know that that policy area um, is a you know is an important component of that federal marketplace strategy along with process and of course along with uh, along with technology. Yeah, and I, I would just say to you from an industry perspective, those three things are potentially huge accelerators for GSA's, uh, you know, uh, government-wide programs, period, but schedules in particular, the OLL, OLM rule, I still want to call it ODCs, ODCs as me well. Too, yeah. me too. So um, maybe, maybe someday, right? <laughs> we get back to changing acronyms, but um, that has a huge that has can be a huge accelerator in terms of s- solution piece. The commercial supplier agreement, um, you know, those companies focus a lot on risk and certainty, and that you know that those those two things you know inc- increase opportunities, reduce the risk, and create some certainties in the market for them. So that's that's huge for GSA and GSA is to be commended for you know, the ability to get those things done. And then we're looking forward to seeing how you implement the unpriced schedule concept uh, where the hour, labor hour rates, because again, that I think you're absolutely right. The competition at the order level drives the market, not some sort of artificial pricing at the contract level. So, um, and I know GSA supported the efforts to get that. So that's great stuff. Um, and so now we got the policy and the and the uh, process, the schedules themselves, sort of moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Now systems. Yes. So where are you on systems, at least with regard to the schedules first, and then we'll go bigger picture. Sure. 
So I think there are uh, there are a couple big uh, components of what we're doing internally uh, in the Federal Acquisition Service from a technology perspective. So you know, we, we want to put a great contract writing tool in the hands of our workforce. We have almost uh, 1,000 1102s or contracting officers, contracting specialists in the organization. Uh, and right now, there's there's not a standard set of tools that all our all our COs use. Some folks are, you know, are using Microsoft Word. Uh, there's a sort of hodgepodge of anywhere between forty and seventy kind of legacy task based applications that people use to write, modify, and manage contracts. Uh, and for an organization that has acquisition in its middle name, like we do. Uh, that that doesn't seem optimal. So that is, you know, when I did my initial kind of listening tour through the regions and talked to folks in uh, in headquarters, that was an area that really that really stood out, right? And so we have uh, we have a team uh, working on that, uh, building requirements, uh, goals to get something piloted uh, this year. Uh, that team is actually being led by Becky Kosis, who is a you know was a line level contracting officer and runs a division, has a lot of credibility in the organization. And again, much like schedules reform, we're doing a lot of our technology projects um, with with government people and kind right. of in a bottoms up fashion, right? So leaders lay out vision, task the right people to go uh, to go and do it. If you need a little consulting help, great. But this is you know this is something that we want to be organic in the organization. So. Uh, contract writing system is a big component. Uh, a couple others that are definitely worthy of mention. So there's a catalog management initiative led by Dina McLaughlin out of Region 3. But again, uh, uh, across That's Philadelphia, right? Region that is. Three. Region 3 is uh, in the, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Right, yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, right across from Independence Hall. It's a great, a great view out, the, out, the, out of the window there. Uh, led, so Dina is leading that team, cross-functional team, you know, from, from across all of uh, FAS. And the goal there is really uh, to get control of our data, right? What, from both product and service standpoint, what are we displaying to customers uh, so that they can, you know, quickly search and sort and find what they need to buy and then make it a lot easier on our industry partners to be able to keep um, their price lists and their product list and have the right information in there so that buyers, you know, the buyers get an accurate picture of what's available, make it a lot easier for industry to, uh, to maintain that, uh, that information. So that's a big, important initiative that will help us get control of our data, uh, and and you know I think data is going to be increasingly important for what we do. And then a third initiative, which has a, an external driver to it, is the uh, you know is the commercial platform work or you know what's come out of Section 846 from the uh, from the Congress. Uh, it's been led from the beginning by uh, Laura Stanton and a uh, and a team there, and that. And that's a, that's a little more of a prescribed path, right? We have a series of reports we have to deliver to the Congress. Sure, yep. We've done a number of industry days. You know, we've put some RFIs out, right? Gathered feedback, and I feel like a fairly open and uh, and deliberate way. And the goal there is to put uh, to really put a very uh, commercial like uh, buying experience in front of our customers for you know for kind of smaller, lower lower dollar uh, lower dollar value buys, and we can you know we can talk more about it in de- that in detail. But those are the th- kind of three big technology components to the federal marketplace strategy. So, and you know what, now we're already up on the break. Okay. So when we come back, we'll unpack some of that a little bit, and then also take you know uh, a wider sort of lens on IT modernization and FAS's role in that. Uh, my guest today is Alan Thomas. He is the Commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA. I am Roger Waldron, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network.
Welcome back to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron, and my guest today is Alan Thomas. Alan is the FAS Commissioner at GSA. Um, and Alan, um, you, you talked about the systems quite a bit. You broke them down in, in, into different pieces. And the last one you mentioned is sort of the e-commerce platform. I know we're here getting to the point of the potential issuance of the next uh, report GSA is responsible for doing under the statute. They did it, uh, GSA and OMB issued an implementation plan a year ago. Um, now you're in that market research phase, phase two of Section 846, and you know the product out of that will be another report to Congress about, I guess, what you found. And I guess, so what have you been hearing, and what did you, you know, feedback you've gotten? You mentioned the RFIs and that sort of thing. Sure. So yeah, we did. Uh, we posted an RFI. Got a lot of response there. And we had an industry day back in the uh, middle of December uh, or so that was that was well attended. I think uh, counting virtual folks, over a thousand, uh, more than a thousand participants. So continuing our uh, our uh, emphasis on listening and uh, and getting feedback and certainly trying to get the you know the kind of best and brightest ideas from outside the agency. So I think you know there were some themes that. Uh, that were highlighted in industry day, but really came out of the RFI responses. So we talked about uh, limiting initially the uh, the proof of concept uh, that we're that we're planning on as kind of in phase three to uh, to the micro purchase threshold, right? So staying within that within that ten thousand dollar limit in, that um, that we've been given, there was uh, some discussion. You know, we had tried to get the a limit raised potentially to twenty five thousand. Uh, the Congress was not uh, amenable to that. I think w- what we heard back from a lot of folks in uh, in industry and even even many of our customers was, let's keep it at ten thousand for a proof of concept, right? So the existing uh, MPT, which we which we think makes sense. There's a lot of discussion around data and protection of data. So I mentioned, you know, in our catalog initiative, it'll help us get our our arms around uh, the data and and help us make better decisions. As you might imagine, in this realm, uh, many Many suppliers are interested in what happens uh, to their data and if the data, you know, flows through, say, in uh, a marketplace, right? What does the marketplace get to do with that data? What does the government, uh, what does the government get to do with that data? There's been some some legislative action there. Uh, Section 838 of the of the uh, 19 NDAA has some language on that, and that was a theme we heard uh, pretty consistently from many many suppliers was. Uh, we're happy for the government to have our data and use it to make good decisions on behalf of the American taxpayer. Um, but we want to be careful about when we share, you know, what what gets shared with other with other companies, right? And how, right. how that could mm-hmm. potentially be used, which is a uh, a completely um, a legitimate concern and one we hear loud and clear. Uh, there was, you know, there was talk around pricing. I think we we talked about a potential rebate model as a way for GSA to fund this activity. You know, we heard from industry. They don't really know of anything else that uh, that works like that, and you know, from our perspective, we obviously want to make sure that the prices that we offer through, um, you know, through these platforms are competitive. You know, there's been there's been some recent studies put out that the you know the pricing and the terms and conditions say that are offered through the schedules program are pretty darn good, uh, and you know, our job um, is to bring buyers and sellers together, but to make sure that um, that the people's money is being spent. Uh, in a wise way, and that means offering uh, really good pricing for our agency customers. And so, whatever we do in this arena with commercial platform providers, marketplace providers, we want to make sure that the pricing is um, is you know is up to snuff, if you will, with what what's available through 
through the schedules program. We heard a little bit about competition. And so there are, you know, the, the initial report kind of broke, um, broke the offerings into three different kinds of, uh, three different kinds of models, right? There was sort of what I would call like a direct model, say a, Someone like a Home Depot or Staples sure, or somebody yep. right, who controls the entire. That's an e-commerce model. E-commerce right? model. Yeah. That's right. There's a marketplace model, right? Which you know there are a number of examples of those out there, right? eBay, Amazon, Overstock, mm, right? Yep. You, you know, yep. you, you name it. And then there's a, there's an e-procurement model, right? Which is more more where the where the buying activity sort of owns the software and, right. and like and, SAP or eBay. Or yeah, so that's a good example. Ex- that's that, that, that one is, of the examples. That is, that, that is one of the examples. Not to focus on any. No, no. That's that, <laughs> It's an example, a well-known yep. example, widely used in, in corporate America. So, uh, you know, we heard from uh, in the RFI responses, we heard from people that said they'd like to see us uh, kind of test out or prove out all of those models, right? I think we've initially indicated that we're going to focus on the e-marketplace model, but not to the exclusion of the others. But we thought to keep it simple, to move quickly, we've got to start somewhere. And we felt like that was the that was the most logical place to start. Uh, and you know, begin to gather some data and sort of get out of the re- what I call the report phase uh, of of this effort and get into the actual. Let's get some commerce flowing through a channel and get some data and get some results, right? And see how these see how these things are actually going to going to work. Then I think the last theme we heard in the RFI responses and from um, you know from the industry days we held was there are certain categories where people feel like. They might need slightly different treatment than other categories, and I think the two in particular were around IT uh, and uh, and health. And there, you're largely talking about uh, concerns around the security of the supply yep. chain, right? So, hey, if I'm you know if I'm buying some IT gear and putting that into my network, or putting some, taking some software and putting that in my network, I, I there there are certain concerns I have about that, and maybe some boxes I want to make sure are checked before. You know, I let somebody actually sure. buy that. Mm-hmm. Same thing from a um, from a from a health perspective, right? There's certain kinds of quality control things and other terms and conditions that we want to make sure are in are in place there. So yeah, that's a that's a lot of that was a lot, a lot of feedback are, from like, folks, well, right? Yeah. Well, that's good. We it's, asked. They they yeah. they answered. Well, the, yeah. I mean, GSA is to be commended for asking, right, and being pretty transparent about the process. So. Um, and so, when's the when's the report going to come out? Phase two report should be delivered mid March. Uh, there'll be a little bit of time for uh, the Congress to uh, review it, right? Provide okay. us some feedback on it, and then you know, then we'll then, then there'll be a public public release of it. Okay. Do you think you'll do any follow up in terms of public meetings or anything like that? Do uh, you have any idea? Without I without do. without question, we okay. will. There's nothing on the books now, but we're not you know we're not we're not going to suddenly uh, you know shut shut our doors. And, sure. Uh, sure. And the goal is to to get a proof of concept by uh, by the end of the calendar year out, right? So there's there's uh, there'll, there'll be a little bit of work, right? You'll see um you know you probably see a draft RFP and then an RFP come out, right? And the goal is to get as as I said to get some actual commerce flowing through a channel uh, before the calendar year is out. Okay, so let's 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 move to the bigger picture a little bit, okay? Because so we, we got about two minutes left in this segment. Um, but FAS's role in IT modernization as a whole, or what you're doing, can you, you know, we'll start the conversation about that. I can. So two, really two big components, I think, to what we're doing from a government-wide perspective around technology modernization. So as you know, the technology transformation services team is part of the Federal Acquisition Service. Just, just uh, got a new leader there, Neil Cherian, uh, who's an absolute pleasure uh, to work with. Really glad to have him on board. 
a big uh, big initiative within the TTS team is the Centers of Excellence work that we started at USDA, delivered you know a number uh, of great initiatives there around dashboards uh, at the secretary level, uh, helping close some data centers, right, and, and generating a lot of savings there. Uh, started some work at HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban uh, Development, really in kind of the discovery phase there. Uh, and then and coming out of that, and we, um, in March, uh, we will announce a, a third agency um, that we're going to work with, too, uh, in terms of standing up some centers of excellence uh, there. So that, you know, when you think about COEs, that's really um, an agency-level approach to transformation, kind of working broadly across the, the uh, C-level folks at the at the agency and trying to move the, the big levers in the agency to create better outcomes ultimately for the citizens that that agency is serving. Sometimes there are projects that have an internal focus to them, right? Put great sort of my, you know, my theme for FAS about putting great tools in the hands of your employees and then those employees will do a great job serving customers. And sometimes the the COE teams are working on, on citizen facing things like, uh, like contact centers uh, for, uh, for example. So COEs, big component of what we're doing government wide and IT modernization. The other big component uh, is the uh, the EIS program or Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions Program being run out of our IT category, ultimately under Bill Zelensky's leadership. Right, and let's talk about more about that when we come back from the break. Okay, Alan? Sounds good. That's great. Uh, my guest today is Alan Thomas. He is the Commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA. I'm Roger Waldron, and you are listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. My guest today is Alan Thomas. He is the commissioner of the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA. And Alan, um, so we were talking, we are talking IT modernization, and you mentioned at the break uh, EIS. So what is EIS again, and what are you doing to modernize IT through it? <laughs> sure. EIS is the Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions. It's a program um, under underlaid with a with a uh, contract. It's a, it's a contractual solution. It's really the um, the government wide uh, telecom uh, solution, and uh, it's important, right? I mean, there's a, a networks contract that many agencies are are on now. Yes, yeah. Uh, and you know, our IT team has put in place that that new solution, that EIS solution, uh, and it has potentially can deliver a lot of benefit for uh, for our federal customers. So there's obviously. We think we've negotiated a little bit of pricing in there, right? So there's there's potentially some uh, some dollars to put back uh, in the hands of agencies, but I think really more importantly than that are the the benefits it can deliver around modernization, uh, particularly from a security standpoint. So if you remember the president's report on IT modernization uh, that was kicked off at the beginning of um, uh, of the previous year. Uh, about half of the uh, recommendations in the report involved GSA. So there were 50 recommendations, about 25 involved GSA, and many of those revolved around the EIS program. So it's a big lift to get agencies to, to transition. All Every agency is a unique situation in terms of where they are um, with, with respect to being ready to uh, transition, but you know, we have uh, a program in place to help those agencies transition. There are nine prime contractors uh, that uh, that hold the EIS contract, and they're all obviously um, ready to get out and uh, and bid on some work to help modernize, uh, really to modernize the federal uh, telecom network. So, so it's, a, it's, it's, it's a really, really important uh, component of modernization across the federal government. 
and you know through that contract those you mentioned security you know it's it's a holistic approach you know from what i'm hearing you say in terms of addressing you know the basic telecom service but you know, layered into that is the security issues that agencies have. Is that that's correct? It is a holistic approach. We've done some good work with with our partners at DHS uh, in uh, in this respect. Um, you know, complying with all the all the NIST standards uh, and things like that. Right. So, sort of updating all that within the within the context of the contract to make sure that when a government agency buys a telecommunication solution, they're getting all the all the kind of latest and greatest uh, security components packaged within. Within that, uh, within that solution, you know, we we would love to see agencies also uh, move towards more of a managed service approach to their uh, to their networks, which you know gets uh, within the cons- within the construct of that managed service. You get you know you get security, if you will, kind of the most up to date security uh, built built into that. So that's uh, as I said, it's a um, you know it's a it's a big program. Uh, in some sense, it flies a little bit under the radar. Right, you're uh, right about that. Yeah, but but it's very it's very very important. You know, I, I was I talk about the COE work, which I think gets a lot of attention and rightly so in the press, and it's a you know it's a it's a hot item in the trade press. And EIS is really um, you know sort of two um, you know two two bookends, if you will, to federal IT modernization. And I think when we look back in five or ten years, both are going to have had a really really big impact. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of tech modernization across the government, right? So from from your vantage point, you know, I'm listening to you describe the different things you guys are doing. IT modernization. Have you seen? It, it seems to me one of the biggest challenges that everybody has is articulating their requirements um, for modernization. Mm-hmm. Is that what you guys are seeing in these all these various programs, whether it's the Centers of Excellence or EIS? You know. You have to articulate your requirements to compete it amongst those nine contractors. Is that an area where you're seeing, you know, that's the big challenge? It's always been that case, the case in government. Is it better? Is it the same? Is it just any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. It is it is one of the one of the big challenges. I, I mentioned earlier in talking about EIS that every agency is unique. So some agencies have a little better handle on the requirements than uh, than others might. It is very important. So, you know, example in EIS, right? If you've, you've had an incumbent vendor in there for a long period of time, the, the network topology, right, and sort of all the all the information you would have around, you know, a large agency with um, with a nationwide telecommunications network, uh, that the agency has to have good enough data to be able to to put it out to vendors who sure. aren't the incumbent if they want to drive competition, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the vendors who aren't the incumbent without full information, you know, I think you had said earlier, oh, when industry sees risk, that adds to cost, right? right? And so um, that that ultimately goes back to knowing, you know, to know, knowing a requirement. I do still think that's a big that's a big challenge. This the uh, the COE teams do uh, spend a good good deal of time working with agency customers. And trying to help them uh, refine their requirements, put a focus there, and uh, you know, bring almost uh, you know, bring some technical expertise and a little bit of an industry perspective in terms of how you would package those requirements up, so that when they do go out uh, and you know, and bid bid the requirements out, industry can 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 respond uh, respond appropriately. Right. We do have a team uh, within uh, the IS program also that's focused on transition and helping uh, helping folks 
you know, get their solicitations ready and, and think about requirements from that perspective. It's, we recognize it as a challenging area and we have put resources into it, uh, knowing that, you know, the requirements have to be right for the program to be successful. So it's like a full service offering there, right? It is like a full service offering. In fact, you, you know, EIS in some ways you could look at it as almost a shared service mm-hmm. in terms of what, what, what we're doing there. I would say it has a foot in the shared service camp. Our fleet program is similar as well, right? We run a centralized fleet program. I think it's sort of old school shared services. And, you know, we're standing up, uh, working on standing up some new shared services. So I mentioned, you know, one of the three big priorities the administrator has is the stand up of some new shared services. Uh, and our, uh, our new pay team, uh, for payroll, uh, just recently got an award from the Technology Modernization Fund. Well, congratulations uh, on that! For a, for a, thank you for a few dollars, and they uh, they are working on standing up payroll uh, as a shared service. There is a contractual solution put in place uh, uh, by the Federal Acquisition Service um, with a couple of different providers providing software as a service and payroll, right, really using kind of commercial best practices there. And so um, we're we're excited uh, we're excited for the new pay team and. Uh, can't wait to see. So that'd be they, yeah, they do. with the goal of being able to roll that out to other agencies, right? As a shared service. That, that that's correct. So we would start with ourselves, uh, and GSA actually services a number of you know very very small uh, agencies, also railroad retirement board and thing, things like that. We would start with ourselves, which I think is always more compelling, right? Anytime somebody wants to sell me something, I say, well, this sounds good. Are you using it? Yes, right. Yes. It's usually more convincing if you say, "Yes, I am using it." Right. right? So we start with ourselves, but that's right. Then, then the goal would be uh, to uh, to bring on others, right? As you drive, uh, it's a scale business, right? So as you as you have more folks that you're paying, the the you know the cost for running the systems goes uh, goes down per user. Right. So we only got a couple minutes left. Um, first of all, you know, I just you, you, one of the things that we've seen it it's a it's a huge change over the last five to six years or so in GSA's sort of the viewpoint of GSA, I think, in the procurement world, right? I mean, more and more responsibility seems to be uh, being given to GSA, whether it's Section 846. You mentioned the president's IT modernization plan that mentioned GSA more than a half a dozen times in terms of, you know, assignments and that sort of thing. Um, You know, just that the, I guess, confidence in the agency, it's, and category, it's role in category management mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you attribute that to um, from your perspective? I think a, cu- a couple of things. One, I think GSA occupies a pretty unique place in the in the federal government, and you know, we have we have some interesting capabilities and interesting authorities that cut across the government. And so, when you want to do things at scale uh, across lots of departments and agencies. GSA is a natural place, uh, natural place to turn. So, I guess credit goes to Harry Truman uh, for, <laughs> right. uh, for for thinking of that, right? Uh, yeah. And and I also think though, you know, it's great to be positioned appropriately. You then have to deliver, and I think the people uh, of GSA have done a pretty good job of actually uh, being able to deliver, show results, show benefit, and um, you know, I, ha- I had a boss one time in DOD who told me uh, in government sort of. There's kind of two ways you know how you're doing, right? If you're doing well, the box we give you to operate in gets bigger. Yes. And when you're not doing so well, the box we give you to operate in gets smaller, right? So I think it's a, you know, GSA, right? We're positioned appropriately and our box is getting bigger because because we're generally doing well and delivering results. Are we perfect in everything we do? Absolutely not, right? But the right kind of culture recognizes that, listens, 
takes the feedback as constructive feedback and then works to, um, you know, works to make change and get better at what we're doing. Right. Um, great way to end the show, Alan. Um, I want to thank my guest today, Alan Thomas. He is the commissioner for the Federal Acquisition Service at GSA. I am Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.